When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken here, and we are back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio, and we have a great interview today, and that is Leslie Motla, the Chief Product and Experience Officer uh, at ButcherBox, and she has an amazing track record of scaling startups and building disruptive global products, and she is unbelievably knowledgeable about customer service and how to create that culture with your team. So before we get into that, a couple of quick announcements. If you have a great story you want to share or a question that you want to ask, reach out to me on any of the social media channels. I'm there, and if it is a question, use the hashtag Ask Shep, and I'll be sure to answer the question either in that social channel, perhaps in my newsletter, uh, on this podcast, or perhaps on my TV show, which is Be Amazing or Go Home, and you can find episodes on Amazon Prime, Roku, Apple TV, and you can go to BeAmazing.tv. That's BeAmazing.tv to catch great episodes there. So let's go ahead and get started with this week's amazing interview. Leslie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. So you have a, a great company to work for. I mean, who doesn't love to receive good food in the mail, especially if it's the food we want? I always say, be careful sending food as a gift because you don't know if that person has a gluten allergy or food of some kind of food allergy, or maybe you send a bottle of wine and they don't drink, you know, for whatever reason. But if I want to subscribe to food every month i could have dropping in my mailbox steaks and seafood and chicken and and who doesn't love that exactly exactly so you refer to your customers as members correct yes yes and uh as so as we talk about the membership experience i want everybody listening to realize that whether it's a member customer patient guest whatever you want to call them uh, this is uh, this is really important information. The membership experience, I think, is even more crucial because you're looking at renewal, and it's renewal month to month to month, or maybe it's an annual. But you know, it, when somebody you work real hard to acquire that member or acquire a customer, now you need to maintain them and keep them and get them to keep coming back. And for those that don't have a, a subscription model, keep in mind that if you ever want to think about this as a repeat customer. Well, in a sense, that's like a subscription. It's just not an ongoing every month type of subscription. Maybe somebody comes in three times a year, but every time they come in, they've renewed their subscription with the idea, they've renewed the idea of, of coming to do business with you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So let's start with this concept that you love to talk about uh, called member obsession. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, member obsession for us uh, means a couple of things. First of all, as a company, we have that as a core value, uh, along with other things like accountability and relentless improvement. So I think uh, that just shows how important it is 
to us, you know, that, that internally uh, we make it something that we talk about all the time. Um, yeah, so it's so part of your culture. It's absolutely part of our culture. And, you know, a lot of companies will say that, but they don't kind of operate in that way. And I do believe that we, uh, we really operate in, in that way in a member obsessed way. In what way? So give me something specific that you think is different than what companies who just talk about it versus you doing it. Yeah, I think, you know, first of all, we have a really deep understanding of our customers and the customer experience that they go through. And we really invest in that. So, for example, uh, we we measure all the parts of our customer journey. We collect feedback from our members on how we're doing, you know, at each point in the journey and how we're doing holistically uh, as a membership. Um, we also uh, look at things like ethnogra- ethnography and ethnographic. So we'll do things like diary studies where we uh, ask our members, our new members, to uh, tell us how we're doing and record how they're uh, perceiving, you know, their first or second box. And so we'll have them do journals and videos and things like that. So we really uh, invest in listening to our our members and our customers. And I think that really sets us apart. How hard is it to get that kind of feedback where you're asking a member to, you know, for lack of a better term, use the word diary. I'm thinking I'm journaling for uh, a company that I buy my food from. I mean, how hard is it to get that feedback? Do you, or do you create these raving fans so much that they just can't wait to share it with the world? And that's why they're happy to, to share this feedback with you? Yeah, I think, you know, we try to generally generate a lot of excitement before people join the service. So I think uh, our membership is really, really passionate and we don't we don't find it difficult to get them to give us feedback. Now, obviously, in that case, we give some sort of incentive uh, for people to participate over a period of time. But we find that people really want to tell us, you know, what they love and what could be improved and uh, like to share their kind of personal journey you know, with us, with regards to how they're cooking the food and making the food and, you know, bring, they, they bring us kind of into their homes, which is wonderful. I love it. So you mentioned you give them an incentive. Now, some people would say that's bribery to get Mm -hmm. a good review. Is there something you, I, and by the way, I I would imagine your incentive is, I know you have an incentive. If you buy a box, uh, you know, a monthly, you have your, your regular boxes, your custom boxes, your big boxes. Yeah. uh, And I believe you put a a pound or two of just ground beef as like a bonus. Is that the kind of incentive you, you, you know, for lack of it, you throw them a bone, but this bone has a lot of meat on it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it can really, it can vary, but it can be, we do things like for life offers and things like that, or it can, you know, just be um, a certain amount off your, you know, next box or something, but it really, it really varies. So do you feel you get true feedback or is it bribe? And, And by the way, I don't mean, I don't want to put you in a corner and I'm not trying to say that, you know, asking for feedback with an incentive, I believe that, hey, your time is valuable. And if you're Mm -hmm. willing to give me a little of your time in the form of feedback, here's a little something for you. Please make it honest feedback, you know? Yeah. And we definitely set it up in that way Mm -hmm. uh, to, to make sure that, you know, people are being as honest as possible. And then we also, we, we don't just rely on, I would say one source of information. So the study that I'm talking about specifically was looking at new, new members, right? The first couple of boxes and what that experience is like. So we also look at, uh, 
all of our feedback from net promoter or, or our member satisfaction scores. We look at all the open-ended feedback around those early months. So yes, we would use that diary study as uh, very rich feedback, but we would also append it with other information that we have and data that we have as well. And I think that's another way that we show how member obsessed we are as we kind of use quantitative and qualitative, a good combination of the two to really figure out where the opportunities are to improve or evolve our, our overall experience. In other words, you're using good data and feedback to continue to create a more positive experience and to grow that experience. Exactly. Which is great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When I was 12 years old, I did a birthday party magic show and I came home after being paid $16 and my mom said, make sure you write a thank you note. And that was my first customer service lesson. And then my dad said, call them next week after they received a note, thank them again, and then ask them how they liked the show. I love then he that. said, and then ask them what tricks they liked. <laughs> really listen. And he said, if you do this enough time, you'll hear about all the tricks that people like. And you'll also notice there's some they never talk about. So yeah. get rid of those replace them with tricks they do talk about. Yeah, I love and, that. And so, I mean, it's the same thing. That's what you're doing. And I mean, I was learning it at age 12, having no idea this is what the biggest, greatest brands in the world do. Yeah. Well, I think you're mentioning two things that are really important to me as a customer experience leader. One is listening, right? Like that's that uh, that's where you really, you know, learn what's working, what's not working, what people want, because they often can't just kind of tell you directly, right? And the other uh, is thanking your customers. And I think a lot of brands uh, don't do that very often. And I think thanking is, uh, uh, you know, a great, great tool uh, that, that can take a brand very far. Well, I know we're getting off on a tangent. I want to I talk to you about thanking customers uh, in, in a sense. Uh, and I, I want to get back eventually to culture. But while we're on this track... Is there something that you do? First of all, obviously you say thank you, show appreciation, but let's say that I'm a customer and I've been with you for months and months, maybe even a year or two. What are you doing to keep me interested in you? To not say, oh, another, I, I don't want to get start looking at my freezer and notice that, okay, I have three chickens in here from the last three months that I haven't used. What are you doing to keep me excited, interested, and engaged with your product? I mean, obviously everybody has to eat. And by the way, I did the math. Uh, a box of food, you divide it by how many meals you get out of this food. I thought, oh, no, my wife and I, we're empty nesters now. Our kids are older. I'm thinking, wow, I could have like eight or nine meals a month, good meals, good, mm -hmm. you know, quality main courses for a really reasonable period of, of uh, amount of money. However, what's my incentive to keep me excited about your brand if I'm using your product on a regular Yeah, basis? it's a great question. I think, uh, first of all, it's us really understanding, you know, the different segments of people and who you are, right? Mm -hmm. What, why you're using ButcherBox, what you, what, what jobs to be done you're expecting from us uh, and what's important to use, you know, whether it's, you want the healthiest proteins. And uh, so for example, we, we also look at personas and we look at cooking personas, right? And so if I know that you love to cook, or if I know that you are new to cooking, uh, I can start to build out the experience and provide you extra things that are going to help you be successful with your butcher box and with those proteins. So that's an example of something we'll do for customers, maybe who are newer to the kitchen. We will provide them recipes and kind of content related to the cuts that they've purchased. So it's more uh -huh. of a personalized experience 
if we know you've purchased something, we can kind of help you to create a very successful meals around what you've purchased. So that's an example of something that we try to do uh, to help our members. That's great. And you mentioned they'll use the word personas. I might've even used that word as well. For those that don't know, personas is really, you take all your customers, you could probably divide them into maybe a half a dozen obvious different types of customers. Mm -hmm. Those are personas. And then you market to each persona differently. Uh, So for those that wonder, what is a persona? That's good. Hey, let's take a short break. And when we come back, I want to talk more about, uh, you know, that culture that you've created. I also really, uh, you've got some interesting um, con- comments about, you know, what's happened with the pandemic and inflation and economic uncertainty, and yet you're still uh, managing to put out there a, a strong customer experience and why even more than ever, that might be what's important. So you're listening to Amazing Business Radio. We are talking to Leslie Motla, the Chief Product and Experience Officer over at ButcherBox. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Hi, Chef Hyken, your customer service and experience expert. And I'm excited to tell you about my new book, I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again. Now, this book is packed with idea after idea on how to, just as the title implies, get your customers to come back. In the book, you'll learn that repeat customers aren't always loyal customers. Now, both are great, but there's a big difference. You'll also learn about 10 reasons a customer may stop doing business with you and three reasons you would stop doing business with them. And one of my favorite lessons is a six-step process for creating an I'll-be-back strategy. Of course, there's much, much more. You'll start getting more of your customers to say, I'll be back almost immediately. Just go to www.I'llBeBackBook.com. Again, that's www.I'llBeBackBook.com. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Leslie Motla, the Chief Product and Experience Officer at ButcherBox. And I promised that we would get back into talking about the culture of a business because the way I see it, if you're going to be a customer obsessed company or a membership obsessed company, it's really got to start on the inside. What happens on the inside is felt on the outside. So Leslie, you have done an amazing job of building a team and creating this culture internally. And I'd love to to dig into that a little bit. Sure. I think one thing that I've learned uh, that's been successful for me is to really try to organize around the customer journey. And I think that's a little bit unique to uh, ButcherBox. So we have teams that are focused on, for example, the join experience or the or engagement or shopping or order or delivery. So if you think about the journey, we have folks that are really digging deep kind of vertically in those particular areas and mm. looking at the the interactions that we have at those parts of the journey, as well as the people, process, and tools kind of underneath. And those are teams that are also uh, connected with all the other functions of the company, uh, marketing and others, so that we really break down any silos in within the journey. And then I think the other important piece there is we have people like myself who are kind of looking uh, end to end and horizontally at the experience uh, and making sure that holistically things are um, working the way we want and we're continually evolving and innovating kind of end to end. 
Well, so let me, I'm going to call it paraphrase what you just said. So if you do a journey map, the typical journey map is top line. It's all the interactions that a customer has with the company. And each one of those interaction points, what you've done, and by the way, I talked behind the scenes, there's a number of impact points that drive the top mm-hmm. line touch point, right? Mm-hmm. But what you've done is not only looked at the whole top line, but you said, hey, let's take each one of these interactions and let's put a team of people, whether it be two or three people. By the way, there's it's always better in numbers because of the brainstorming and the synergy that people have. Exactly. Just putting one exactly. person in charge of a particular um touch point might not be as beneficial as two or four or five for that matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so what you've done is you've assigned a team to look at each one of these and constantly look at ways to improve, make it better. Is that what I hear you saying? Exactly. Yeah. Wow. And, that's a brilliant uh, thought. Yep. Yeah. And, and so they, and so those teams are really digging in again, listening to customers at that part of the journey. They're looking at data and information, uh, and also then looking at our overall health metrics, uh, whether that's member satisfaction or net promoter and, and taking the feedback for their part of the journey and, and uh, integrating that into how they make improvements or how they innovate in that particular area. So one of the big questions we always get about culture is how do you get people to buy into the culture? How do you get somebody that you know is new to your company to all of a sudden, hopefully it's, it's on the front end you've identified folks, but even though people get in there and you know, I've got the right person for this job, you've got to still get them to stay focused. What do you do to get the the buy-in and sustainability of that culture? Yeah, we, we definitely interview for customer obsessed. So we do think about that and, 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 and look for that in new candidates, first of all. But I also think that making sure your um, even CEO, executive level team, uh, they obviously need to be bought into customer obsession, right? So that is a, that's a very critical piece as well, so that people are kind of hearing, not just from me as the customer experience leader, but they're hearing from everyone uh, in the company how important the, the customer is. I think that's one thing that's important. The other is that we definitely like to make sure that we're telling the customer story. So we have things like all hands meetings once a month where the entire company gets together. And so we're we're constantly trying to share uh, the story of the member and paint the picture of the member experience. That might be sharing videos uh, of our members talking about the service. It may be the review of those uh, health metrics that I talked about and the trends that we're seeing. So we do try to make it a real part of the communication within, you know, within the company uh, and not just coming from me. Great. So I've got two questions. I'm going to ask the first one. We'll go to the candidate that you mentioned that you're hiring for the customer obsessed culture. Do you have, and and the answer may be no, but I want to, if there is an answer, I would love to hear it. Do you have a specific question that you ask that says, okay, this person gets it? Uh, I don't have a specific question. I I really like to make that decision based on what I'm hearing from the candidate. Uh, If the candidate starts to bring up customers and the importance of customers and things like that, that's obviously a good sign for for me rather than me kind of prodding them into the customer. Um, But I will sometimes ask about uh, great experiences or poor experiences that they have had just 
with other brands and have them describe both of those things to me because then you can kind of you can get a sense of how they think about customer experience and the customer what's important so that that is one uh, angle that I often take with some with some candidates oh that's great yeah you get an idea of okay this was a bad situation okay that's a great story well how would you have handled that or did they like what's your perception of how it was handled so you get an idea of how they think Mm -hmm. which is very good all right the other question I have is you mentioned you know leadership and for lack of a better term, buy-in from leadership. I would imagine that a truly customer-obsessed company is willing to spend money on tools, whether it be AI or people or systems, processes to drive a better experience, which means that you've got to go to the CFO or somebody else and say, I need money. Mm-hmm. How do you prove to them that they're going to get the ROI on a customer-obsessed culture? Yeah, it's a great question. I think one thing that we've tried to establish, uh, in addition to those health metrics, is the uh, importance of lifetime value and and measuring that uh, as a customer profitability metric as well, right? Mm-hmm. So what we're trying to do across those teams that I've mentioned is use LTV as a North Star metric and really understand kind of the proxy metrics that will ladder up to that. So what's the work that those teams can do around engagement or improvements that that ultimately will impact lifetime value? So if I can start to um, take that angle with the CFO, you know, and, and really present a business case around it could be a particular uh, opportunity that we have that where we need that type of techno- technology and maybe it's going to I don't know, reduce calls to the call center, or it's going to increase average order value or something like that. We definitely do try to make a business case, uh, but also a case that shows the improvement to those health metrics for the member, member satisfaction or net promoter. Uh, But I do find that working in the context of a of a metric that's both what I would consider customer friendly and business friendly, like LTV, for example, uh, that 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 starts to resonate well in making the case with someone like the CFO. Brilliant, brilliant. All right, I'm going to shift to a completely different topic. I mentioned this uh, right. just before the break. Uh, you're the type of business that during the pandemic probably exploded because mm-hmm. people couldn't go out to eat and. Uh, you probably also experienced a new level of customer ex- or service or experience expectation that mm-hmm. customers had. So if you can, you, you without specifically asking a question, I think you know the road I'm going down. But if you can kind of tell yeah. me a little bit about what you did, you probably all of a sudden ramped up in uh, uh, your, your, your business probably grew. But so did the service department and the, and the contact center that was responding to needs. How did you maintain uh, member obsession and keep creating positive experiences with this explosion in business? A, a lot of companies have that problem. They get big and their customer service, just for lack of a better terms, it goes from great to suck. Yes, 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 yes. Definitely. I've experienced that. Uh, yes, our business really grew significantly during the pandemic, as you as you mentioned. Uh, and like a lot of other businesses, we had to uh, adjust to all the other things that came with that, like supply chain issues and things like that. Um, and I think what happened was uh, because we are so focused on really understanding the expectations of our 
members we we didn't stop doing that as we were you know experiencing this this tremendous growth uh so really understanding um how expectations were shifting and uh and making sure that we were uh, you know accommodating and and uh uh, accommodating our policies and things like that towards that. I think it's interesting. Um, you're probably familiar with the Cano model of um, expectations, right? Where uh, expectations are constantly shifting. Something that was a basic expectation is now something that, um, you know, shifts. And so what we found during the pandemic was a lot of that, like delivery, for example, people had um, really higher expectations of making sure that, uh, the delivery was going to show up, you know, when they wanted it to, because they were relying on us, right? They couldn't mm -hmm. go to stores and things as much. So uh, things like that, I think, have shifted how we think about some of those expectations. I think the pandemic kind of shifted expectations. Yep. Were you able to maintain uh, your, for lack of a better term, NPS scores and, and customer satisfaction scores with an explosion of growth? Yeah, what we did was uh, really focus on um, good uh, policies and service recovery. So certainly, like every other business, we had, you know, we had challenges, especially in the beginning of the pandemic. And uh, in my mind, um, as long as you are, you know, transparent with your customers, if they're calling you or if they have questions uh, or if there's an issue or something like that, as long as you're really uh, addressing those interactions in a really positive way for the customer, uh, they're going to, they're going to, uh, you know, feel good about, about you no matter what, even if like the delivery was late by a day or something like that. Right. So, so we really focused a lot on those um, customer support interactions and giving that team uh, more support, right? To to respond and respond quickly, but but more importantly, respond effectively and you know in, in very human ways. I think that that has worked well for me. In Did the you past. have I to think it to, well to scale up and add more people uh, as a result of the? higher uh, explosion in your business we did yeah we did and uh 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 you know luckily we have that ability right to kind of optimize based on and, on and so now that things have gone away related to the pandemic have you been able to bring the numbers i mean do you feel things are more under control i'm just wondering did you have to hire people and then because if you're using you mentioned an outside firm it's very easy to scale out and scale back based on need i just wondered what the experience has been. I think things are feeling somewhat back to normal. I mean, other than uh, supply chain issues, employment issues, and economic issues, at least we got rid of the pandemic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have, uh, I would say things are definitely, you know, uh, in, a, in a like calmer state, right? I guess that's the best way to describe it. And that's a good, good thing to look at from the standpoint of, Hey, we're in a better place today than we were two years ago, two and a half exactly. years ago. Yeah. Generally. Yeah. All right, we're and we, back. We've oh, always been very, um, you know, pretty nimble company, and uh, uh, so so I think I think the pandemic showed that, and and uh, even you know post pandemic we're you know adjusting properly to it. Right, nimble is a great word. 
Uh, we're getting down to the end of our interview and, and we're running out of time. And you know what question's coming now. It's that one thing question. Is there one last piece of wisdom that you would love to share with us today before we wrap up? Because this has been great. You've given us insights from a great brand, recognizable brand, who's got a great business model. Um, and you know, the one thing we didn't talk about, and I just want to throw it out there before I ask you the one thing question, this is important. Uh, I asked you what made your product different than some of your competitors. This was pre-show when we were just chatting. And you mentioned that we really do a good job of, of uh, you know, basically you're into a cause and the cause is natural, mm -hmm. healthy, um, good product, sustainable, all, all that. Give us a real quick pitch on that because there's a great stat that we found in our research that 30% of customers will forego a good experience if the company believes in the same cause that they believe in. Mm -hmm. Well, imagine if that you believe in the same cause and the experience is amazing. You know, yeah. you put those two together. It's it's not like you're unstoppable, but that's a great combination. Give us a quick, you know, 60 second overview on on your cause and your mission over there at ButcherBox. Sure. So so ButcherBox really, you know, is a brand that's delivering the highest quality, sustainably sourced meat and proteins to consumers. So that means 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, humanely raised pork, wild-caught seafood. And we source these things from partners, you know, with the highest standards and quality. So that's a real differentiator. We're also a uh, a B Corp certified company, which is a, which is a, a, you know, very much a differentiator in kind of the, in our industry. And B Corp um, means? B Corp is a certification where you, you know, need to meet certain requirements that are, um, the, I guess the best way to say it is kind of mission-based, you know, yeah. it's a series of checkpoints, right. That you operate your company in a um in a certain manner that is is more mission-based yeah love it love it all right the one thing question go ahead share with us that last nugget of wisdom yeah i mean i think we touched a little bit on it but i think for me it's always about the you know the best way to think about customer experience and your customer is really to be listening to your customers and uh and also observing your customers to the extent you can. Um, and then really combining that with, you know, all the quantitative elements. And I think companies that do all those three, three things well uh, can really deliver wonderful experiences. So listen to feedback, uh, get uh, qu quality, quantitative is the, listen to the feedback, qualitative, listen to their comments. And number three, watch, for lack of a better term, I'm going to say this, watch their buying patterns, watch mm -hmm. their cadence, watch how often they're buying, what they're saying, because you can tell a lot about a customer. Great insights, great advice. Thank you so much for being on our show today. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. All right. This is why we call it Amazing Business Radio. Leslie Matla, the Chief Product and Experience Officer of ButcherBox. Love it. We're going to be back next week with another interview. And until that time, this is Shep Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.